Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. I am Ben Richmond, here to give you the latest update on the weather. It has been a quite a while since we've done a little podcast episode, so glad to be back, and hopefully we can be a little bit more consistent with these podcast episodes. So, um, just talking about the weather over the next couple of days, we do have kind of a trampoline of weather that is currently on the table based on what the latest models have been saying. Um, first of all, let's talk about the potential for severe weather, because that's usually what everyone is talking about talking about when it usually comes around but really the main threat for severe weather that is going to be coming over the next couple of days is going to be from a system that will be coming from the plains and will be kind of slowly moving across the Great Lakes region now I'm not going to say that the threat is great it is actually quite low okay so current day three severe thunderstorm outlook from the SPC this is for Thursday April 20th, we have a marginal risk for severe weather across parts of western Indiana and southwestern Michigan, and then a threat of just overall thunderstorms across much of the Great Lakes region except for eastern Ohio. This is also associated with that low pressure system that is projected to move in on Thursday and will continue to move through the area through even as long as Saturday we could be seeing a system move through on Saturday that may in fact bring yes I'm gonna say it heavy snow to parts of eastern Michigan so um, just a little bit of an examination of the models here um, looking at as of Tuesday at 7 p.m. let's take a look at what is currently projected first of all we begin by talking about Wednesday at about 10 a.m. we will have an initial warm front moving through that will bring in some initial rain showers maybe a few embedded thunderstorms to parts of northern Michigan connected with the warm front associated with the low pressure system and then moving into the upper peninsula we may have a few scattered snow showers before they transition to rainfall the accumulations likely will not be will not be very great from that but continuing forward as we go into Thursday uh, Wednesday evening into Thursday, it looks like there will be some scattered rain showers across much of Michigan, northern Indiana, and northern Ohio as that warm front continues to lift off to the north, and we start to see the arrival of a very warm, moist air mass. Now, despite the fact that it is going to be warm and moist, the instability is not going to be very high, but we still will have a strong cold front moving through on the back side of that warm front connected with that low-pressure system. It will kind of bow out and move into Michigan and Indiana. Now the threat for severe weather again does not look that great despite the fact that we do have directional and speed shear in the atmosphere and storm relative felicity. The instability is going to be very minimal. In fact there may not be even any for this setup. So I, I am expecting that we'll probably see some thunderstorms. Severity levels still are under quite a bit of question. I'm pretty skeptical of seeing a lot of severe thunderstorms Thursday evening. Unless you are much farther south in parts of Indiana, you might see more severe weather than in other places. But continuing forward, uh, we see that initiation of thunderstorms Friday evening or Thursday evening, and it will continue to move through Indiana through the night before kind of dissipating on Friday uh, across parts of western Ohio, and then moving into uh, Saturday, Friday night into Saturday, we begin to see a redevelopment of storms possible on Friday into Saturday before a, yet another low pressure system begins to make its way up into Ohio 
with an associated band of rainfall. Now, interesting thing that the models are hinting at with this setup is that there could be a squall line to the south of the low that could influence southern Ohio just a little bit. That's going to move off to the northeast and possibly impact eastern Ohio. And then something that's being hinted on the models, which is something fairly new, but something that could be concerning after because it's a late season snow event, yeah, snow event, we're going to be seeing possibly a bit of snowfall across parts of northwestern Ohio, northeastern Indiana, and eastern Michigan, according to the latest model, Saturday night. Because Saturday night, the temperature is going to drop to freezing because we have that backside of that low pressure system. The low pressure system is going to sit over Ontario, actually over parts of Lake Huron, and as it deepens, it'll get that moisture wrap around it, enabling snow potential to occur in that region. Um, snowfall totals are still going to be questionable, and we can't really make a good determination on it, but right now it does look like some pretty heavy snow is possible associated with the wrapping of that snow over eastern Michigan. So that's going to be something we want to be careful to watch Saturday night into Sunday, and we'll have to see how that setup evolves based on what the GFS model is saying. But that's what's currently being shown. In addition to all the weather changes, the temperature is going to bounce around quite a bit. Uh, we will see with that lifting of the low, warmer temperatures Wednesday and Thursday, and then we'll start to see a gradual cooling trend into Friday and through the weekend as well. So if I were to do an overall summary of the um, forecast for the next couple of days across um, parts of particularly southern Michigan with this forecast. We have uh, tonight, we have actually a freeze warning in effect tonight across parts of the Great Lakes region with temperature dropping to freezing. You'll have some sensitive vegetation that could be damaged by it. So that's something to be aware of. But low of 31 tonight, uh, Wednesday, temperatures warm sharply back up into the upper 60s, 68 partly cloudy. Um, and then overnight, it will be a low of 55. Thursday, we warm even warm up even more, mostly cloudy skies, high of 80, low of 48. And then later on in the night, I'm expecting that development of possibly some showers and thunderstorms. Um, those storms are not expected to be severe in southern Michigan. Western Indiana might see a pop of severe thunderstorm or two. Uh, Friday, rain showers, high of 61. So it cools down a little bit, low of 43. Saturday, we have that rainfall potential, high of 47. Uh, low of 33. Sunday, we see that snowfall potential overnight. So early in the morning on Sunday, we might see some snow. High of 41, low of 31. Monday, we start to begin to warm back up. Uh, this is April 24th now. High of 48, low of 36. Tuesday, April 25th, mostly cloudy. High of 56 and low of 41. So that's the latest weather update. Now you're up to date on the things that are happening across the Great Lakes region. Now I'm going to turn it over to um, my meteorology students are going to talk about some of the different oscillations that influence the Earth's climate. All right, today I'm going to be discussing the El Nino Southern Oscillation. The El Nino Southern Oscillation greatly impacts worldwide weather. To better understand why this oscillation has such an impact on global weather, we must better understand the oscillation itself. The El, Nino the El Nino Southern Oscillation can exist in three states, El Nino, Neutral, and La Nina. These states rotate through each other about every three to seven years. The El Nino season is where we see warmer temperatures, the La Nina season is where we see colder temperatures, and Neutral is the midpoint between those. The El Nino Southern Oscillation exists in the Pacific Ocean, 
It exists because trade winds, the trade winds there blow from east to west. This pushes the warmer surface water toward Asia, where it then pools. Uh, this pooling of that warmer water allows for upwelling to bring colder water to the surface near the North American border. This is what we consider to be the neutral season. However, sometimes these trade winds weaken. This lets that warm water that's pooled near Asia spread out over the entire Pacific. Uh, this spreading of this warm water heats up the entire ocean, which brings El Nino. El Nino typically is most prevalent during the wintertime. The reverse to El Nino is La Nina. This occurs when trade winds strengthen, pushing more water toward Asia's surface or toward Asia's border. This allows for a much larger amount of cold water to be brought to the surface through the process of upwelling, creating a colder ocean temperature. This is why during La Nina we typically see colder average temperatures. Going back to El Nino, the uh, El Nino Southern Oscillation fuels a more intense jet stream. So the warmer ocean uh, temperatures tend to fuel a more intense lower jet stream. This brings about more storms in the U.S. Typically, the middle of the uh, United States will see a greater number of storms, and it is also not uncommon for the upper part of the United States to see some drought. The El Nino Southern Oscillation is also referred to as the ENSO or ENSO. This is why the El Nino Southern Oscillation is very important. This oscillation is the Indian Ocean Dipole, and it is very closely associated with the ENSO, or E-N-S-O, which is uh, also associated with the ocean subsurface variability. What is an Indian Ocean Dipole, which will be referred to as an IOD? It is an intrinsic coupled mo mode of variability in the tropical Indian Ocean. I recommend looking up a, a map of the Indian Ocean and the surrounding islands uh, lands for better context of what's going on. The IOD is an index that is defined as the difference between sea surface temperature anomalies over the Indian Ocean and the oh, sorry the Western Indian Ocean and the eastern part of the Indian Ocean. An important part of studies of the Indian Ocean Dipole is the relationship between the Indian Ocean Dipole and the El Nino Southern Oscillation and the La Nina Oscillations, and the potential feedbacks that they do to each other. Studies have shown that the development of the IOD can be dependent on the ENSO, ENSO, but ENSO may exert significant influence. In recent years, it has been found that an IOD can affect the ENSO, so as one can affect one, the other can affect the other, and they both affect each other very heavily some years. Clearly, there exists interaction between the two. Oh, a positive IOD tends to concur with El Nino, and a negative tends to concur with La Nina. The spatial temporal variations of these two major climate modes have not been well documented as they are just... The Indian Ocean Dipole is a fairly new oscillation that has just been found very recently, especially when it comes to science. Earlier models, earlier models documented the time evolution of the IOD and the associated ocean subsurface variability in the absence of ENSO, and 
when the Enzo was present, and we saw two very different things. A current study is aimed at examining the time evolution of the IOD with the Enzo, because we've learned that those are very close to each other and that they need to be studied with each other. The present work complements our previous analysts by looking at the spatial temporal conversations of the IOD and the Enzo. So the, the previous work has been outdated for the new work, and the new one has been found to be significantly more accurate. Uh, this is it's done by looking back a very long time, sometimes even up to 500 years long uh, in the past, to figure out how they may work. Now, mind you, we don't have the information 500 years back. It's off estimation, but it is very well in research estimation. It's also important to understand what the Indian Ocean Dipole is at right now. Right now, we are in a low section, which has been going on since roughly November of 2020. And now we're, of course, in 2023. So we're still in a low, but as of July 2020, we saw a high. So it clearly goes back and forth very heavily relying on the other. It'll go up and down, and it's not like some of the other oscillations where it takes 10 to 30 years. It takes about five years to go from high to low. Now, why did we care? It influences the local weather over the Indian regions, uh, regions surrounding the Indian Ocean, western and eastern. That is the Indian Dipole uh, Oscillation. Hello and welcome back to the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. My name is Ethan Reisinga and today we will be talking about the Arctic Oscillation. Uh, the Arctic Oscillation appears as a ring-like or annular pattern of sea level pressure anomalies centered at the poles. The presence of continents and large land masses disrupts the ring-like structure at the Arctic Pole, while anomalies surrounding the Antarctic Pole are nearly circular. Over most of the past century, the Arctic Oscillation alternated between positive and negative phases. Data using a 60-day running uh, mean has implied the oscillation has been tre trending to more of a positive phase since the 1970s, uh, though it has tended to be a more neutral state in the last decade. Uh, the oscillation still fluctuates stochastically between negative and positive values on daily, monthly, seasonal, and annual timescales although meteorologists have attained high levels of predictive accu accuracy for shorter-term forecasts. Uh, the National Snow and Ice Data Center describes the effects of the Arctic Oscillation in some detail. In the positive phase, higher pressure at mid-latitudes drives ocean storms farther north, and changes in the circulation pattern bring, weather, bring wetter weather to Alaska, Scotland, and Scandinavia, as well as drier conditions to the western United States and the Mediterranean. In the positive phase, frigid winter air does not extend as far into the middle of North America as it would during the negative phase of the oscillation. Uh, this keeps much of the United States east of the Rocky Mountains warmer than normal, but leaves Greenland and Newfoundland colder than usual. Weather patterns in the negative phase are in general opposite to those of the positive phase. And uh, there you have it. That would be some information and basic overview of the Arctic Oscillation. And I will see you guys in a couple of weeks for our next podcast. Hello, everyone, and thanks again for listening to the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Be sure to stay updated by checking out our YouTube channel and all of our social platforms. We are available on Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, and we are also now available on Rumble. You can also visit our website that is attached to the podcast description to get more updates about the weather. Hopefully you found this information helpful. If you would like to leave feedback on the podcast, you're welcome to do so by also visiting our website and checking out the podcast tab. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next time.